do um, for that. So, um, just kind of waiting on everybody. Can you turn up the lights in the room? I can see some people. Oh, yeah, there you go. And if these two lights right here, if they could just come down just a little bit, I'm seeing. Yeah, that's great. Am I still bright? Yeah, so you can see me great. Just, just want to make sure you can you can see me because that's some for some reason that's important. Um, yeah. Today the title of the message is Jesus. That simple. I'm gonna I'll tell you a little bit about this. This this is really a uh, first in a series of messages that you're not going to hear for a while. Um, and there and there's reasons for that. I um I started studying this and I know that this one's for today and the next one is for way down the road somewhere so we'll come back to this this kind of deal but this is kind of like an introduction and um, Jesus is basically the name of, of this particular message um, I I ran across an article recently um, that said that uh, five percent of the world's population lives in the United States of America means 95% everywhere else, 5% the world's population that lives in the United States of America. I continued to read that article because it interests me a little bit. And it also went on to say that 80% of the world's opioids are consumed by 5% of the population of the world, which is Americans. Well, that was kind of shocking, right? And as a preacher, I was like, man, that's really going to sound, right? So I looked into it a little bit, and that's actually a false statement. It is not 80% of the world's opioids, which are painkillers, are, are consumed by 5% of the world's population. It's more like 30% of the world's opioids are consumed by Americans, 30%. The next country that even comes close to that is 12%. They consume 12%. And then from that, it's 1%, 1%, 1%, 1%, 1%. means that in the United States of America, there are a lot of people in pain. Now, I realize that some of that pain is because somebody had surgery. They had back surgery. They, you know, they had surgery or, or something like that. But of that 30%, they say over half are now addicted to those opioids. They need them every single day. On top of that particular one, there's other people trying to find escape from life. They, they, they feel empty. They want something they can feel. They want to feel good. And so what happens is, on top of that, they start using things like heroin and other drugs to kind of slow down the pain or at least make themselves feel good. And on top of that, people often drink in order to unwind at the end of the day and they continue to drink and they continue to drink and before too long, you know, they're doing it because for some reason in their life, pain is there and they need the stuff in order to unwind, in order to let go of the pain. So even though the 80% thing is not true, okay, the fact of the matter is in our, in our country, we have a lot of people with pain that are trying to get relief from their problems. And they go at it in various different ways. They try to find an answer to the problem that they have or the issues that they have or the pain that is inside. This is very interesting to me because of 
everybody in the world, America is one of the most affluent nations. We have anything that we really want, right? We can go after it. Um, and I know we have different income levels and, and I can't have a Porsche. You know, I, I know I, that's not it. But we, comparatively to the rest of the world, have it really good. And in fact, the majority of the world everywhere else has more reason to be in pain, has more reason to be in concern for their very lives than we do. They have more pressures than we do. We have all this affluence and all this stuff. And I think the reason that we are looking for answers in other places and the reason that we are going after like some sort of something to calm us down, some, something to help us with our problems, something to do that, is because we think the answer is in those type of things instead of in Jesus. Now, I know that doesn't set too well. That we are looking for answers everywhere else except for in Jesus. But we are. And I'm going to explain that a little bit to you this morning. Um, how many of you, when you were a kid, went to a revival? Revival? Yeah. Wasn't those great? Those preachers would come in. They, they had been practicing these sermons in other churches. They came in and they would preach. And it was just a great time. I enjoyed them as, as a boy. There, there's some conversations I had with preachers that my dad told me I shouldn't be having those with them after, you know, he would pull me aside. But nonetheless, I enjoyed those things. One of my favorite stories was by a guy named Wendell Calder, who was an evangelist. And um, he, he told the story about um, there, was a, there was children's time one morning in a, in a church service. Children were down front. And the guy that was doing it said, okay, kids, answer this question. What, what has a fuzzy tail, fuzzy face, and eats nuts? None of the children raised their hand. Except for this little boy right over here that said. I know the answer is Jesus, but it sounds an awful lot like a squirrel. Right? Awful lot like a squirrel. When I say to you that the answer for any issue that you have in life is Jesus, if you're like me, the first thing that comes to your mind is, how is that in, how is that even possible? It is a mystery to me that Jesus would be the answer to my, to my problems. It is a mystery to me that he would be my go-to for calming me down during the week. It would be a mystery that Jesus is the answer to any problem that I have in this life. Why is Jesus the answer? That is a mystery, and it's kind of a secret. I think the reason that we go into other places to find find comfort and, and kind of a disconnect from reality and all that kind of stuff is because we have struggled trying to figure out how Jesus is the answer to everything. And for some of you in this room and probably a majority of you, you're still thinking, I don't know how, how Jesus is the answer to this stuff. How is Jesus answer, the answer to all my math questions? How is Jesus the answer to all my civics questions in school? How is, how is Jesus the answer to the problem I'm struggling with at work and trying to get this to these people? How is Jesus the answer? It is a mystery. But I'm here to tell you this morning, according to Scripture, not only is Jesus the answer a mystery and a secret, but he is the answer to anything in your life, anything at all.
I'm going to cover some very big topics here very quickly, and then we're going to home in on something. So check this out. First, I'm feeling low. You ever felt low? Well, Jesus. I'm depressed. Well, Jesus. I'm lonely. Well, Jesus. I'm sad. Well, Jesus. I'm going through a tough time. Well, Jesus. I have broken relationships. Well, Jesus. I feel insignificant. Well, Jesus. That doesn't even make sense. How in the world could Jesus be the answer to every issue in your life, including what you eat? That doesn't even make sense. How in the world is he the answer? The last thing that we really want to hear when we're going through pain is that Jesus is the answer. We don't want to hear that. We want to hear something else. Something else has to be an answer. I'm feeling this way, so it can't be Jesus. It has to be something else. But Jesus is the answer. This may not surprise you at all. But if someone's going down the wrong path, if someone's doing the wrong thing, they run from me. They run from me. Because I believe that Jesus is the answer to everything. And somehow or another, it works out in your particular issue that Jesus comes to be the answer. So now that everybody is in a mystery mode, a cloudy mode, wondering where in the world this is going mode, turning your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. I didn't even tell a joke. That's awesome. It's nice to be liked. I tell you what, that is one of the best sounds in the entire world. A kid like that, that, that just makes your day. Incredible. Okay, Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. It says this. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. In other words, Paul is saying here to these people of Colossians and to the Laodiceans, who he has never met, that he is fighting for them. In some way, he is fighting for them. Verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of the full assurance of the understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, God's secret, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Back up to two, or yeah, two. 
to reach the riches and full assurance of the understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is Jesus. Knowledge and wisdom is directly tied into Jesus Christ. No matter what you're going through in life, your answer is found in some way in knowing Jesus Christ and having a relationship with him. Your being able to, to be strong in a tough time is found in your deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer. He guides your decisions. He helps you through life. Jesus is the answer. And it's a mystery. It's a secret. You see, people that have not received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior do not understand this until they're saved. People that have received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior understand it to a particular point, but maybe they don't get to the point where they realize that Jesus is everything and should be everything in their life and that He is what they need to be focused on. It is a mystery that in one man, all of your problems, all of your issues can be solved. One man and one man only. That's it. That is the mystery. Who else can proclaim that they can be the answer to all your problems? Donald Trump? Nope. Nope. Any other political leader? Nope. The governor of North Carolina? Nope. Nope. The police officer next door? Nope. Your doctor? Nope. Your psychiatrist? Nope. Only Jesus is the answer to every problem that you have. Only Jesus. And that is a mystery. Let me give you some big ideas. Okay? Big ideas. Here we go. If you have a guilty conscience, Jesus is your answer. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I do not have to feel guilty because of what I've done wrong because Jesus has forgiven me. He is the answer to a guilty conscience. What if there's consequences to what I've done incorrectly? Well, Jesus is your answer there too. That's not guilt. See, guilt is beating yourself up. It's telling yourself, man, I'm stupid. I shouldn't have done it. It's all that. Having to deal with consequences for your choices is totally different. Jesus is the answer to that too because Jesus will strengthen you in order to deal with the consequences that you've laid out before you. Church? He's the answer to your guilty conscience, and he's the answer to your consequences. Jesus is the answer. Broken relationships, Jesus is the answer. Jesus tells us in Scripture to love one another, to love one another. The reason that we have broken relationships is because someone quit loving. Come on. Somebody stopped loving and someone started being mean. Someone started being mean. This is something I like to remind Nicole of all the time. You have started being mean, right? Yeah, you, you start being mean. And Jesus says, love one another. Jesus prayed for unity among his people. He prayed for that. Jesus is the answer. If we're going to have unity, it has to center around Jesus. If we're going to have relationships that are healthy, it has to center around Jesus. Our focus and our attention has to be on him. And somehow, and it's not a magic trick, somehow relationships blossom 
when those relationships are centered around the Savior, are centered around Him, somehow it works. And it's not magical. It is spiritual. Because the God that created you knows what's best for you. And he says to love people. So the moment that we quit loving is the moment that our life is not centered around Jesus. It's centered around us. That's why we have broken relationships. Jesus tells us to love one another. That includes your words. There's some people that say that they have a meaningless existence. Just, nobody likes me. I'm not good. Nobody looks up to me. I'm worthless. I'm just, I'm just nobody. But Jesus says that I have come to give you life abundantly. Jesus is the answer to you feeling like you are meaningless. In that verse, in John 10, it tells us right before, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus Christ is the answer for you feeling like you're meaningless. Jesus came to give you life abundantly. Not only that, but Jesus is giving you power. Jesus is giving you a way to be fruitful for him. Jesus has given you a mission to share the gospel with other people, to live correctly, to be a light in a very dark world. Jesus is the answer to you feeling like you are nothing. Jesus is the answer. Thank you. Because I was going to step over here and say, amen. Jesus is the answer. Look, there, there are times in my personal life I just feel like I've totally failed. I totally failed. Something happens here. Something happens there. Sin creeps into my life. I just feel like I have failed. And I feel like sometimes you do all this work and, and you see things happen and you just feel like you're, you're just not having an impact. And you, blah, 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 blah. That is the thief. That is the thief stealing from me what God is doing through my life. Do not let the thief steal from you. Jesus is the answer to a meaningless existence. Jesus is the answer to all your worries and all your doubts. All your worries and all your doubts. Check this verse out. Jesus says this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is the answer to your worry. Jesus is answer to your doubts. Jesus is the answer to all of that. Ladies and gentlemen, it sounds like a mystery, but it makes so much sense. Jesus is all that you need. Your life needs to revolve around him and him alone. He is the answer. He is the answer. He is the answer. So, how do we work a life around that particular regard? How do, how do we do that? Well, Paul tells us, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, and this is what it says. Therefore, 
Because <clears throat> Jesus is a mystery. He's the answer. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, first thing that you have to settle is if you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior. Yeah, we all have that going on. Don't we? I mean, uh, Aurora, whoever you are in my family. It's my daughter. You have to settle that. Listen, Jesus Christ died to take the punishment for your sins on the cross of Calvary. He shed his blood. All you have to do is cry out to him as a sinner and receive him as your Savior. And you're saved. Therefore, if you have received Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. Walk in him. Raymond, come up here for a second. Raymond, Raymond's good. Um, yeah, um, Corey? Doggone it. I know, I do that all the time. Corey, can, can you come up here too? Okay. Walk in him. Walk in him. And I need one more. Chad, you can come up because you're on the end. Okay? Y'all need to be down here. All right, I'm coming. It says to walk in him. Here's the problem. We do not like to walk in Jesus. We can't see him. We like to walk in other things for the answer to our questions. To walk in someone, in someone, or to walk in Jesus is to walk with him. Y'all need to walk with me. I'll put my arms around you. Walk with him wherever he goes. This is being in Jesus. Jesus is always with you. So if I'm over here at my house and I'm eating breakfast, I'm... I'm centering my life around Jesus. If I'm over here and I'm at church, I'm centering my life around Jesus. Right? And sometimes you have to pull things in, don't you? Sometimes we can be walking through life and we're just with our buddies and we've left Jesus behind. Right? See, y'all thought all three of these people were Jesus. This is Jesus. He goes by Raymond. You have to walk with Jesus. He has to be a part of your space. See, there are a lot of Christians that are romancing with Jesus. They like what he gives them. They like the perks but they don't want Jesus to invade their space. They don't want Jesus to be with them at this moment. They don't want to think about that they're supposed to be following him and they're supposed to be in him at every moment of their life. They like to put him in a little box and take him out when they need him and put him back in when they don't want him around. That is not walking in Jesus. Walking in Jesus is every moment of your life you're surrounding yourself with him and you're acting accordingly. We just like the perks, a lot of us. But don't let Jesus invade our life. Don't let Jesus be Lord of our life. Just let him answer our prayers when we need him to answer our prayers. And then he can just go back up in heaven, sit on the right hand side of the Father, and just stay there until we need him again. That is pathetic. And if you treat Jesus that way, you are following a thief in your life. You're not following Jesus. Come on. 
these guys a hand. See, we want what God has for us, but we don't want God. We want whatever Jesus will pass on to us, but we want to take a pass on Jesus at certain areas in our life. We think Jesus has insights into life, but we don't want God to invade our space. There are some Christians that think that they need to remain broken so that they can be closer to Jesus. There are some Christians that think that they need to be needy to God and they need to ask him and ask him and ask him and just be really needy to God so that they can be closer to God. But that is still not being closer to God. You see, Jesus Christ saved your soul so that he could heal you and make you mature. He saved your soul so that you would have abundance in life as a mature Christian and not this, oh my goodness, I'm this, I'm that, I can't make it, I need this, I, and going out into the world to get anything to help you with whatever problem you have. Jesus saved your soul so that he could heal your everything. Your addictions, your sin problem, your loneliness problem, Jesus died. Jesus saved your soul so that you would mature to the place where you would have the strength to stand on your own. The Christian life is not about, oh my goodness, I'm just a horrible person. It's not about that. It's about Jesus taking a horrible sinner and making him or her something great. Come on. That is what it is about. And Jesus is the answer. You walk in him. Look at 127. Just right up, right up here. It says this. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope and glory. Hope and glory. So, 27 says this. I'm going to read six. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted, 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 rooted. Um, does anybody know what roots, roots do? Yeah, they, they pull nutrients from the soul. Okay. And then, and then the tree takes those nutrients and it produces stuff, leaves, flowers, fruit, seeds, right? You know what the tree doesn't produce from its roots? Moss, maybe, right? Okay, you can shake your head. This is the interactive. This is an interactive preacher moment. Yes, yes. Do you realize that the, um, the nutrients in the soul determines how good the fruit is. Do you realize that? The nutrients in the yeah. So, if you're a person that has roots in a, in some type of soul, because we all do, and you're constantly negative and woe is me, and life is horrible and everything is bad, your roots aren't in Jesus. They're in something else. Maybe it's the bachelor. 
Bachelorette. Have you ever seen that show? I can't believe how much people can make up. Anyway, okay. Message not about that, Philip. Not about that. Jesus. Okay. So you have Jesus. You have roots in something else. If you're getting angry at a clicking, at a, at a snap, your roots is not in Jesus. Because if your roots are in Jesus, it is joy, peace, wisdom, long-suffering, love. Is everybody tracking with me? That's what comes out. And the deeper those roots go, the better you are at loving, caring, looking after people, being concerned for people. The more you don't worry, the more you have strength for your struggles. Roots determine what comes out of you in fruit. Roots do that. See, some people are upset at God because he hasn't fixed them yet. Some people are mad at God because he hasn't fixed them yet. He hasn't fixed their particular problem with yet. It's almost like we use prayer as the Jesus pill. The other day, just a couple of days ago, my, my son has an ear infection. First time since he's in elementary school, he's had an ear infection. But we were sitting in there, and they uh, described to him a Z-pack and how it's just five days. You take two, and then one, 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 you know, like that, right? He said, wow, that is a magic pill. Right? Some of us feel like that if we just have Jesus, the very next day everything should be great. And somehow or another, we, we use Jesus and we take him as a pill, and then two days later, some of us are very upset because Jesus hasn't um, reacted to us like we wanted him to because we're taking him in a, as a pill rather than being rooted in him. Some of us need to come to the realization that the reason that God does not move in your life very quickly at all is because you are never rooted in him during the week. You are never walking with him during the week. You are never inside of you. And he is not fulfilling your dreams on the spot because he wants you to grow and mature so that he can tell you what your dreams should be. Come on. Some of us don't like the rooting process because we want it quicker. And when it doesn't happen quicker, we say, well, Jesus can't be the answer. So the answer must be in something else. I need a psychiatrist. I need some pills. I need this. I need that. I need more people. And we never find our answer down this road. Some of us are mad at Jesus because we're looking for a five-minute answer to a problem that we have set up for the last 15 years. Rooted. Rooted. Um, so, rooted. Next. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him. Built up in him. Um, there are some Christians that have the story of me. Not me, but me. Right? So, um, I, 
have to use this illustration, so I'm not pointing out anybody in the room just using this illustration. Okay. I've, I've been on the Facebook feed where it's the story of you page. Have you seen that? I haven't put anything on mine, I don't think. If I have, it was accidental. But, you know, you have this story of you. What I've noticed is there there's some Christians that I know that have nothing about Jesus on their story page. Nothing at all. Now, I know what you're going to do today. You're going to go on your, your page. You're going to put some stuff about Jesus on there because you're, you're wondering if it's you or not. But, but I'm, not, I'm not trying to make a, I'm trying to make a statement, though, but not make a statement. But there's, there's a story page, and there's nothing about Jesus at all. Listen. You are building your life on something. And a lot of Americans and a lot of people in this country are building their story on them and what they do. I will give you an illustration. Oh, no, that's not good enough, my team. I'm just trying to be real, y'all. <laughs> your story cannot be separate. If you're walking in Jesus and rooted in him, your story cannot be separate than Jesus. Separate from Jesus. You're tracking with me? On your Facebook story page, or on your other thing. What's that other thing? What is it? Snapchat. On your Snapchat page. Sorry, sometimes I have old people moments. Okay, so Snapchat page. On your Instagram, if there is nothing about Jesus that you have posted, you are not building your life up on Jesus. He's not on the forefront of your mind. He is not what you think is important enough to post. And maybe it's you're just too afraid to do it. Maybe you know the moment that you do something like that, you are going to lose friends. Jesus is important enough for you to lose friends. You don't have to be mean about it. You can just say, Jesus helps me with this. I do a scripture reference, do something about Jesus. And the people that don't like Jesus aren't going to follow him anyway. They have chosen their path and hopefully they'll be saved before they die. But you've just got to let them go. Because when you build your life around Jesus, you build your life around something that is better than what those friends can offer you. You cannot separate your life from Jesus's if you're building your life around him. You can't do it. You shouldn't do it. I was told this week that Philip, I'd like you a lot if you quit talking about Jesus. So I posted on Facebook. I have permission not to talk about me, but I do not have permission not to talk about Jesus. I was laughed at this week because of some posts that I made. It started actually on apple.com where I weighed in on a particular issue that they're going through because sometimes I'm just dumb. I don't know why I weigh in on those things sometimes, but I just weigh in sometimes. And since, so some of those Apple people, those, you know, those Apple, those, yeah, some of those Apple people found my page and all my, I had to delete their comments up underneath. I was deleting, blocking, deleting, blocking. 
because it was a constant parade of stuff. I'm good with it. That's a good week. And those Apple people probably need to hear a little bit about Jesus. Come on. Jesus is my story. This is my story. Jesus Christ. This is my answer. Jesus Christ. And everything I do is revolved around him and what he wants me to do. I want to be rooted and I want my life built in such a way that there is absolutely no doubt that Jesus is number one in my life. You need to live the exact same way. Do you know in scripture that you are ministers everywhere you go? Yes, I am called to be the pastor of this church, but you are called to be ministers everywhere you go and represent Jesus well. You are the preachers to everybody around you. And if you're not building your life around Jesus, they will not see Jesus in you. You build your life around him. Let's go. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's next. Yeah, I'm up there. Sorry, I had it. Yeah, okay. It's, it's just me. Okay. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Established is a word for strengthen. Strength. <laughs> strengthen in the faith. Strengthen in the faith. Um, even though I can't remember her name just right now, I, I watched her and her husband run and do a bunch of stuff. Uh, and she, Amy, Amy, Amy Spade, yeah, Amy Spade, and, and they are just health, health people, um, and, it, and it's great. Um, I have a problem with exercising. I'm just going to be straight up. I don't think I've ever told you about this before, but um, I will, I will, I will walk, you know, four miles an hour a day, and about five to six days into it, look in the mirror and say, well, that's not helping, right? It, it hasn't done anything for me at all. Like, I'll do push-ups, and I've done push-ups in, in this core workout. You know, the, we're going to work on the core. The core workout, you know. And you, and you do this core. That's the YouTube video I follow. You core. All right, let's do this. Yeah, so, so you're working on your core, right? You know, a couple weeks after that, three, four, five weeks after that, you, you look you look at yourself, and you're like, this, this has done nothing to, for me at all. Um, I, I'm still... Here, so I've determined, Amy, that um, I have humble abs. Okay, they don't want to show themselves; they hide themselves be behind a layer of fat. Um, that, that's what they do. So they're just right here, you know. They just kind of a curvature there, you know, rather than a. They're just humble abs. That's that's what they are. See, my problem with working out is most people's problem with their spiritual workout. It takes time to be rooted. It takes time to build up. It takes time to strengthen yourself in the faith. It takes time. Yes, this means reading your Bible every day. This means praying every day. This means talking to God every day. This means in every particular situation, Jesus is cognitively with you. Like you recognize that he is there and you are making your life around him. It is work. To have strong faith. It is work. 
Is faith a gift from God? Yes, it is. But does God expect you also to have faith? Yes, he does. He healed people in scripture because of their great faith that they showed in him. Now our faith is less than a mustard seed, but he expects us to have faith and to grow into it. Strengthen your faith in him. One of the reasons we go to other places is because we're not strong in our faith. And we do not feel like that that's where we're going to get our answers. But I'm here to tell you this morning, that is where you get your answers. You get your answers in Jesus. And the moment you leave him out of your life is the moment you're on a different path and you're getting answers that will not last. They just will not last. Jesus is the answer. Listen, enthusiasm is not spiritual strength. If it was, I would probably be one of the most spiritual people in the world. I have watched my videos. I don't even know why y'all come back. <laughs> I don't. Sometimes I look up here, I'm like, what in the world did I do that for? Enthusiasm is not spiritual faith. It's not. You have enthusiasm for a while, man, I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm walking on the treadmill. Then you look in the mirror, that made any difference, right? I'm doing the core workout, right? Doing it for a couple weeks. Staying away from the Krispy Kreme donuts, you know? Yeah. And you, and you do the work up, right? And you're doing it, you don't see it. And the enthusiasm begins to go like this. So if I'm really honest, I get kind of bored with working out. And so I just stop doing it for a while and then I do it again. You cannot stop strengthening yourself in faith. When the enthusiasm is low and you don't feel like doing it, that is the time you should be doing it. Your enemy knows. Your enemy knows that you're weak in that moment. And when you do not have the enthusiasm, that is the moment that you need to crack open the book. That is the moment that you need to talk to Jesus. That is the moment that you really need to struggle in prayer with your faith for protection and so that your roots will go deep. Amen? Enthusiasm is not. I get so tired of hearing people say, well, that church didn't have any energy. Were you there? Yeah. Hmm. Enthusiasm. Okay, so this ends. Here we go. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding, underline that, abounding in thanksgiving. In thanksgiving. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a leaky bucket. you to turn to him and say, no, really, I'm a leaky bucket. Really? Yeah. I'm a leaky bucket. Here's what happens. We come to a message, we hear a message like this where Jesus is the answer and walk in the Lord, you know, be rooted, built up in strength. And we go out of here and each one of us has a bucket. The problem is our bucket has holes in them. Some of your buckets leak faster than other buckets in the room. Right? 
Some of you will leave and go into the parking lot and five to 10 minutes later, it's gone. Like the white, you have spilt it in the parking lot all the way to your car and it's just gone. Everything that was said here is gone. Brain dead, just gone. It's, it's gone, right? Linky buck. Some of you in here will take it during the week and you'll get to Wednesday. Or some of you will take it all the way to the next Sunday and get your bucket refilled, but it's still leaking. Let me give you the secret of stopping up those leaks. It's called abounding in Thanksgiving. That stops the leaks. What you should leave here with today is not only the rooted, the built up, and the strengthening in Jesus and that he's always the answer and trying to figure out that mystery. You should leave here with that. But the other thing that you need to leave with so that that lasts a long time is that you're very thankful that Jesus is the answer. If you don't want to leak it all out before you get to the parking lot, the thing that you need to have on your mind is, I am thankful that Jesus is the answer. I am thankful that there's a place I can go when I have problems. I am thankful that he can give me strength to make it through this painful life. I am thankful that I'm never alone, that Jesus is always with me. I am thankful that I don't have to be depressed because I am a child of God. I am thankful that I have significance because Jesus has given me that significance because I am a child of God and he has created me for a purpose. I am thankful. And the more thankful you are, the more of those holes get stocked up and your cup overflows with joy rather than leaking it out. If you are going to abound in thanksgiving, you have to be a thankful person. And I'm going to tell you this, it goes back to what you're building your life around and where your roots are. And Jesus Because if you're over here, you can't figure out why you need to be thankful. You just can't. If you're over here and you really get it today, you'll leave this service being very thankful for everything that God has provided for you in the mystery, the big secret of Jesus Christ. It's good. Thankful. So, I want to end with this. This verse 2 of chapter 2. <clears throat> that their hearts may be knit together, or be encouraged, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding of the knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ Jesus that their hearts may be encouraged. I think that there are Christians that know exactly what they're supposed to do. They know how they're gifted. They just do not have the courage to do it. Don't have the courage to do it. Um, I'm reminded of a story in the Old Testament. Moses laid hands on Joshua, his successor, and he prayed that Joshua would have wisdom. Remember that? So so Joshua goes on and he already has wisdom because Mo, he prayed for him to have wisdom and he had it, had everything that he needed. Do you know what the following chapter talks about with Joshua? Courage. Courage. And he had to pray for courage to do the task that God had laid on his heart to do. He already had all the wisdom and all the knowledge to do it. He just needed the courage to 
do it. Do you know who has all the riches and all the wisdom and all the knowledge that they need to do the task that God wants them to do? You. Because the mystery is Jesus is in you. You just need the courage to step forward and do it. And I want to let you know that I am fighting for you on a daily basis that you'll have the courage to live for Christ. Now, it is not every day, and I've said this before, that I mention you by name, but I do mention everybody that comes to this church globally in my prayers. I mention people, and then when I get to the end of my brain capacity to remember names, I pray for the rest of the church, and I say the rest of the people that come to Farmington, I pray that they will live for Jesus. I'm fighting for you. This verse also says that we need to fight for each other, right? Knit together. So we encourage each other to step out and have the courage that we need in order to live for Jesus. And some of you don't need another pill. Some of you do not need another psychiatry appointment. Some of you do not need any of that. What you need is the courage to live the way that God has taught you to live. That's all you need. And he will give you that if you ask him to live. So every head bowed.